Look at those closest to you. Other than your family, when you think about your friends, your community, your church, your school, your workplace, whatever it is, the people that are closest around you, what do they look like? What do they think like? What do they talk like? What do they act like? What do they believe? Are they basically you and just another person's body? Do they look like you? Do they think like you? Do they act like you? Do they talk like you? Do they believe like you? What are their backgrounds like? So often I think that we sometimes put ourselves in a box and we think that we can't necessarily be friends or be in close community with people that are different from us, from different cultures, that sometimes we think it's just too hard. But man, I have found over the years that the more we surround ourselves with people who are different from us, the more we can learn and grow as individuals and learn to appreciate each other's differences and begin to grow in community. Welcome to Business with Purpose. I'm your host, Molly Stillman of Still Being Molly, and this show is all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, companies, and small businesses that are changing the world. Each week, I interview an entrepreneur, CEO, nonprofit director, community leader, or just an amazing person who's trying to make a positive impact not only through their personal life, but also with their professional career. My goal is to show you that no matter what you do for a living, you can make an impact right where you are. My guest this week is Rebecca Smith, the founder of Better Life Bags. Better Life Bags is a custom handbag company located in the heart of Detroit, Michigan. Every bag is hand cut and hand sewn by a woman from their under-resourced community. Your purchase gives them the opportunity to excel at a skill and provide for their families. I have long loved Better Life Bags and been a longtime admirer of Rebecca, so I was so honored to have her as a guest on the show, and I know you are going to absolutely love this conversation. So without further ado, on to my chat with Rebecca. Rebecca, I really hope that you are not freezing your butt off this morning as we're actually, it's not even this morning. I don't know. It Well, whenever you're listening to it, podcast listeners, you can listen to the podcast whenever, but we're recording in the afternoon. But Rebecca, we were supposed to record back when the polar <laughs> vortex hit and it was it's like true. 97 million below zero. It's true. And school was canceled. And I said, Molly, I'm gonna have all my kids home. There's absolutely no way that I'm going to be able to get away for 30 minutes and record a podcast. I was genuinely worried about you. And I realized, I, like, you know, I was a little worried for our, for us too. Did Okay, I okay, we're just going to talk about this real quick. And I realized that yeah. this is airing in April. And so it's gonna be like beautiful <laughs> spring weather. But I like the polar vortex is one of those things that like I genuinely was blown away by the science or whatever the meteorology information behind it and I was like how do you even like do you go outside at all during right. a polar vortex like if you have dogs where do your dogs go to the bathroom like I have questions yeah I mean that's one big reason we don't have a dog is because of winter that just seems like it doesn't make sense no matter if it's polar vor- vortex or just cold like you just don't want to take a dog on a walk yeah so yeah i mean we stay in as much as possible um <laughs> when it's below it, it's not been that cold in michigan for a very long time yeah um so this was kind of out of the norm for us and everything just shut down which doesn't happen here yeah. so you just run to your car and if you have to get out, that's when I really appreciated getting my groceries delivered oh. and I tip, tipped well, you know? <laughs> like, oh my goodness. Yeah. Do you really have to leave your house anymore for anything? I, I feel like you don't. Everything you really can be don't delivered. don't need to anymore. It's yeah, there true. pretty much is everything can be delivered. Like even the other day I discovered that you can have 
like I don't know if you have Menchie's frozen yogurt, like Froyo. You can have Froyo delivered. No way. Yeah. Like our Postmates has Froyo on it. And I was like, you can literally get everything delivered now from what a world we live in. from like broad underwear shopping to like there's like monthly feminine product subscriptions to uh, groceries to wine to Froyo. I mean, it's true. The only thing I guess you can't have delivered would be gas in your car. But since you d- aren't driving anywhere, <laughs> then you don't need right, any you gas. You don't need it. I'm we just... still need to go back to the days where doctors come to visit you at your house. Yes, with the with the black bag and the mm-hmm. single handle. And then like the little like almost like a monocle. Then we really will have made it. We will have made it. And milk. <laughs> we need a milk delivery guy. Yes. 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 We need a milk delivery guy We need, who brings us glass <laughs> bottle milk. And then we need, <laughs> we need the doctor who comes to your house with the black bag. <laughs> this is amazing. Oh, my gosh. We will really yep. be living it up. We really will. Although for, for people who like to stay at home, there might be some people who are not homebodies. And, I know. You know get me know. out of here. Although, you know, I guess the 2019 version of the doctor with the black bag is like, have you done the computer doctor yet? Like what? No. Um, yes. Okay. So, I mean, maybe we're a little bit of it, I mean, but I know other people that use it. So it's like a virtual doctor. I mean, it's a real doctor, but you talk to him or her on the phone or via your computer like camera you like facetime what? yes so, so it's way better than googling your symptoms yes what you're saying yes it's legit yes okay. it's legit so there's like a couple different ones um so our family like we don't have traditional health insurance we have christian healthcare sharing yeah and so like one uh-huh. of the benefits that we have is we get free access to md live so but it's been great for like our kids get pink eye and Rather than having to like go to urgent care, get the oh drops, whatever, you just go on MD Live, you show a picture of the, or like you video chat with them and then you show a picture of your eye and it's like all pink and then they just they fill a prescription stress. and then boom, you go pick it up. My husband the other day, like he knew that he needed some antibiotics for something and so he was just like, called got on the phone it was like 10 30 at night too and he was like oh i'm just gonna call and get an antibiotic because he knew what it was um like he had a sinus infection and so he was like i'm gonna call and get an antibiotic they called like he goes and picks it up 20 minutes later i it did not have to go to the doctor nothing like that it's amazing i'm gonna have to look it's called computer doctor well no we call it the computer oh. doctor <laughs> We call it the computer doctor because, like, that's what my kids call it when they go to the computer doctor. Um, but it's great for things like, you know, like you have an allergic reaction or like a rash or something or like pink eye or just like very sure. basic things that you don't need to like physically go in and see a doctor. And right. yeah, anyway. And and if you have like a um like a otoscope, you know, that's a real fancy. Oh, yes. Thing. That thing mm-hmm. that like looks at like. So my daughter used to get ear infections all the time as a kid. And so you just get an otoscope. You can look and check yourself. So you could like go call the computer doctor and they get antibiotic. I know. And here we are on business with purpose talking about the computer doctor. But it really is amazing because you really don't have to leave your house like for almost anything anymore. (laughs) That sounds amazing. Anyway. okay. (laughs) See, Rebecca, I already like you because you're willing to like, well, I liked you before, obviously, but you're willing to just like talk to me about random things. And the fact that we're talking about the computer doctor just is, it's fun, you know, we can all relate. 
to not wanting to ever leave our house. Yeah. <laughs> when it's 50 below. When yes, it's 50 especially below. Especially then. Yeah. I mean, it was like we had some temperature days like here in, in North Carolina. We had some temperature days last year in the single digits. And you would have thought like the apocalypse was nigh. Like Southerners are just like, buy all the bread and milk. We're all dying. Life. That is cold. Single digits. You guys really did live. The world is over. Terrible. I know. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. So we're going to dive into actually talking about you and your business that has a purpose. Um, Rebecca, you are just, you are somebody that I have followed for a really long time. And we talked about this a little bit before um, we started recording, but it's so funny because we both mutually have followed each other for a long time, but then never, like we were too scared to like reach out to the other person. And we thought we like created this lie in our head <laughs> that we didn't like each other. Or like that you, I thought you didn't like me. You thought I didn't like you. And I was like, wait, what? And then, so here's the thing. And and the reason I'm sharing this on the show is because for, I have men that listen to this show and men are going to like completely not relate to this at all because they don't do this. But all the women listening, just don't believe the lie that the enemy has put into your head about people you think people don't like you or like you think that there's like some narrative that you've like made up in your head yes. and you have no facts to back it up. And so we finally just reached out to each other and we're like, wait a second, we actually want to be friends. So like, let's be friends. <laughs> <laughs> so dumb. Neither one of us had ever done anything, but we're like, she doesn't like me. I don't like her. <laughs> you know, all these like, not, I don't like her. She, you no, know, I know, that way. I know exactly what so. you mean. I know exactly what you mean. So anyway, so I'm just, but I really have, like, I've followed your work since, I, I mean, I was telling you, it was like 2011, 2012, I feel like is when I first found you and I have just admired, I mean, and you have a Molly bag. So <laughs> there's that we too. Do. There's the yes. Molly bag. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm a little biased towards that style, but, um, yeah, but in general, I just, what you do is so incredible and so unique. And, um, you know, obviously I talk all the time on this show about ethical businesses, but one of the things I love so much about you, and this is what we're really going to dive into here in a minute, is that you you are doing something that is so often we see it done in developing nations, but no, you yeah. are doing it here. You are providing dignified living wage jobs right here in your own community in Detroit, Michigan. And it's just, it's absolutely incredible. So without further ado, uh, <laughs> Rebecca, will you give us the Rebecca 101 and tell us your story and all about how you got started with Better Life Bags? Yes, for sure. So it started, we're actually going to be celebrating our 10th birthday this summer. So we're on year 10. That's amazing. Of- Although I 10 years ago would not have called it a business, but that's when things started. It was 10 years ago. We were living in Savannah, Georgia, actually. So my husband was stationed um, at Fort Stewart for a while. So we found ourselves in Savannah, found ourselves um, expecting our first baby. And I was going to quit my job, be a stay-at-home mom. That's something I just always wanted to do. I was a teacher before that. So yeah. um, quit my teaching job that for the summer before he was born and found myself very bored. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, made myself a diaper bag knowing that I would use, you know, use it. And, um, it was my first time really even sewing a bag. My friend helped me through it and posted pictures of it on Facebook when it was done. Um, you know, just like we do with everything in our life seems like, and people were commenting left and right. Like you should sell these. I'll, I want one. Have you heard of Etsy? You should open an Etsy account. I was like, what is Eatsy, you know, yeah. like, what's Eatsy? Eatsy. <laughs> um, it was br- pretty brand new to this to the internet. Um, Etsy was so, um, but it was super easy to open a, an account. So 
I went on there. I was like, sure, if, if you guys are going to buy these, I'll list them on Etsy yeah. <laughs> and um, and sell them to you. Um, so, But you needed a shop name to open an Etsy account. And I was like, what should I call this thing? Like, Becky's Bags. Like, my, my name's Rebecca, but my family calls me Becky. So, like, Becky's Beautiful Bags. You know, like, trying to think all these <laughs> silly, like, what do I name this thing? Um, and my eyes kind of landed on a Kiva gift card that my brother had given me that year for Christmas. And um, it was also my first time being exposed to Kiva, which is the micro loan company or website. You yeah. can go on and loan as small as $25 to someone in a third world country starting or expanding their business. So I was like, oh, wouldn't it be fun if I could give more loans? Because I really loved using that gift card. Um, through this extra money that was going to be coming in from these bags I was making. So I was like, better life bags, like making lives better, one purse at a time. So um, that was the original story for the name. I never in my life thought that it would get, the better life would change from sending money through Kiva to what it is today. But that's what it started as. Um, and I would send a picture of the loan recipient with the bag um, that the customer bought to try to connect some sort of good with the product they had just bought. So um, that was the connection there, which was really not many people were doing this 10 years ago. I oh, think no, not at all. started at a really good time, like a key time, yeah. which I love that everyone's doing it now. Like that's so like that's amazing that businesses are all wanting to do good with their their profits and their money. Um, but it was really, I think it took off so quickly back then because no one else except Tom's shoes was, yeah. was doing it. A lot of companies looking back were starting around the same time as I was like noonday collection, 31 bits. We all started around like 2008, 2009. So it kind of feels that's kind of fun to like think about all those little, those women starting their things too, in their little extra rooms. And, um, but yeah, so we moved, we ended up moving to Hamtramck about six months after opening that Etsy shop. Um, we were going to stay here for about two years. It's a really highly diverse first generation immigrant community. And we wanted to be overseas teaching English or doing some sort of missionary work. So we thought let's move somewhere in America first. That's really, really diverse and get some language training, some exposure to different cultures before going overseas and having all of the culture shock that comes with that. Um, so we picked Hamtramck, um, never visited before we moved, <laughs> just came, wow. um, which was quite a culture shock for me. I had a really hard first few years, um, like adjusting to Hamtramck and just the different, the, it was, it's a very low income, very um, diverse culturally, 26 languages are spoken here. So it was, it was basically like moving to another country. And it's but, like right outside of Detroit. Correct. Yeah, we're kind of we're surrounded by Detroit on all sides. Okay, we're like this little island city inside of Detroit. Um, yeah, to help put into perspective where we are. But I was noticing so as my bag business was getting bigger, um, and my kids were populating, like I was having more <laughs> children. I was like, I can't, I can't keep up anymore. Like this is too much for me to do. Um, so I was like, well, maybe I just shut it down. Like that was a fun few years, fun little hobby I had. Um, but then I remembered that I had met this woman when we first moved here from Yemen who 
knew how to sew. Her dad wanted us to meet. She didn't speak any English and I didn't speak any Arabic, obviously. Um, but we both knew how to sew. And so we spent this terribly awkward night in our basement, in my basement, sewing together. Um, and I say it was awkward because I didn't really want to do it. I was, I was meeting with her as a favor, mm-hmm. basically. Um, but I remembered that she knew how to sew. She was the only person I knew in the neighborhood who knew how to sew. So I was like, maybe she can help me keep up. She can do all the insides of the bags and I'll do all the outsides and we'll put them together twice as fast. And so I call her up, like shaking, like praying, please no more English than you did two years ago. Like, please no more. I don't know if I can communicate over the phone what I need your help with. Um, and she had, she had been watching like children's cartoons to learn English and, um, knew right away, understood right away what I needed help with and was all for it. So that started this routine of me going to her house every week to drop off fabric for orders and then pick up the bags that she had completed the week before, um, bringing my kids, hanging out, having tea with her, Um, really starting to develop a friendship with someone from a different culture for the first time in my life. Um, and even before that, like those first two years of living here, I kept telling Neil, like, this is a mistake. (laughs) I can't, I'm never going to be friends with anyone here. We're just too different. We have nothing in common. I'm sorry that we came here. I'm sorry that I'm ruining like your vision and all, you know, like I just, I can't be friends with anyone of a different culture. It's too hard. And my relationship with Nadia, because of like the business, she is one of my like dearest friends. And it's just such a cool thing to see how God tore that wall down between us of culture and language and um, how we do have so much in common as moms and as seamstresses and as part of the BLB family. And um, but anyways, I so I'm doing this routine and about six months into it, I guess. Um, I'm paying her per bag, like per piece. Um, she's like, I got to I'm going to show you something when I get to her house. And like, okay. So, um, I follow her upstairs to her girl's rooms and she has bought them bunk beds where before they'd been sleeping on the floor, just on mattresses. Mm. Um, they just couldn't afford more than just the mattress at the time. And here she was with the money that I'd given her to make bags. She was buying the frames for these mattresses to go on and to get her kids off the floor. And that's when the light bulb clicked for me, like, oh, this is helping you. (laughs) Like, this isn't just helping me make more bags. This is helping you and your family be able to provide things that I consider necessities, really. Um, And that's when I started to intentionally think how many other women are living in this neighborhood with us that can't get a job outside of their home because of language or education or even culture. Like a lot of um, the women who live in our town are very conservative in their culture and they can't work anywhere with a man present. Mm. So it really limits where they can get a job or if they can at all. So it sort of started the pro like the, the spiral intentionality of the business and the better life went from sending money overseas to actually like providing a better life for the women in my neighborhood here. Okay, I'm just going to take a quick break from this incredible conversation with Rebecca, and I wanted to take a moment to thank our sponsor of the show, The Root Collective. The Root Collective is no stranger to the show, as Bethany Tran, who's the founder and owner of TRC, is one of my nearest and dearest friends. And she was a guest really early on. You can go back to episode, I think it was like two or three. 
Now, I've been a huge supporter and fan of the Root Collective for years, and you can pretty much always catch me wearing their incredible shoes. I'm wearing my Gabby Flats as we speak. But why? Not just because they are the most comfortable shoes that I own, but they are also the most complimented pair of shoes that I own. And those compliments lead to a story about how my shoes are ethically made, empowering communities, and investing in change through job creation. You can go to stillbeingmolly.com slash TRC and use the coupon code PURPOSE20 for 20% off your order from The Root Collective. So back to my chat with Rebecca. I honestly, I didn't realize like how, I mean, I knew obviously the story of Nadia from what you've shared over the years, but I guess Mm -hmm. I just didn't realize like at what point it became a tipping point for you, so to speak. Yeah, just like that realizing, was an accident. <laughs> yeah, but, but yeah, and that's just, I, I think it's just such a great example of sometimes we do things and sometimes we go into it thinking it's going to be one thing, like you did, even yeah. with the name. And yeah. God has this plan that we, and this bigger picture that we cannot even see. Yeah. And we cannot even see what is in store for us, but when we just are obedient and we say yes and we just do the next right thing that is in yeah. front of us, it's amazing what can happen. And so to see the the fruits of your labor, so to speak, begin to blossom into something that really is, like you said, making it making a better life for people in your community. That's it's just incredible. Thanks. Yeah, that's really encouraging to hear you say I'm actually writing a book about the story, which I don't know if you know about, but um, I've lost some of the I'm in the midst of writing. It It comes out next spring. And I'm like, last night I was trying to work on it. I'm like, what is this book even about anymore? Like, Mm -hmm. I'm just in that like, depths of writing. And I think you just like summarized it for me again and reminded me like, yes, it's about just taking the small steps and trusting that God has good plans for us that we don't have to hustle super hard after and like mm-hmm. wear ourselves out because he has the plan and he we does. just have to walk it, you know? And so he does. He it's does. It's exciting for me to think about. Yeah, it's so it's so hard to to see when you're in the midst of it. Um, oh, for sure. I mean, and I think about like maybe this is a maybe this is a stretch, but I don't know. It's it's just kind of top of mind for me right now. But like I think about Moses and the Israelites crossing the Red Sea. And so like here they are in the midst and God has like literally parted the Red Sea for them and they are walking and they are running from, you know, the the Egyptians who are coming after them and they're walking through the Red Sea. They have no idea what is in store for them. They have no idea. And I can't imagine like the fear that that they had in that moment. And yet God knew again, the bigger picture. And then I love, um, so I'm, I do uh, BSF Bible study fellowship. Yeah. Know, mm-hmm. Um, and we're doing uh, a study this year called people of the promised land. And it started, we started with Joshua and there was, um, you know, I, I honestly hadn't done ever. I, I mean, I'm very, you know, I call, I say like, I'm like a baby in my Bible study, but I, I just had never really, remembered the story of when Joshua is leading the Israelites into the promised land. I did not remember the story of God parting the Jordan. Mm. And it was just, as I was thinking about it, I was thinking about like, man, if you think back to Moses leading the Israelites after, you know, through the Red Sea that God has parted away from the Egyptians. And yet here we are, you know, a generation later and Joshua is now leading the Israelites 
it, you know, across the Jordan that God has once again parted. But this mm-hmm. time they're not actually running from their enemies. They're running towards them hmm. because the Israelites are on the other or the, or the Canaanites and everybody's on the other side. And God is saying, I have a plan on the other side of this Jordan that I'm about to part and I am mm-hmm. going to make a way. And I am going to yeah. rid your enemies in front of you. And so I like the bookend of that. It's not even a bookend. It's like a semicolon. But like the semicolon of that story. And I just think about like in the midst of that big thing, how terrifying that must have felt. For sure. And and so that has like really resonated with me this year as like we've worked through some personal things in my life and and um and in my family's life and, and just it. it you know, as I'm in the midst of some shifts that I'm trying to make in my business and just I've seen so many other friends who are going through really hard things Mm -hmm. and it can be so hard when you're in the midst of that and you can see God working, but you just don't know what it's leading to. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like that can just be so intimidating. Right. Yeah. And how do, how do we just continue to say yes? And I don't know. Anyways, look, we're, we're going and we're having church here on the podcast. I don't even know what's happening. (laughs) I love it. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I just think it's so incredible, like to see where you started when you were in Savannah and you had this idea of like, you know, donating money to Kiva loans, but God was like, nope, I've got a bigger plan, but I'm even going to give you the right name for it right from the beginning. Right. And had I known the bigger plan? I maybe would have been too scared yeah. to do a lot of the things that I, you know, needed to do to get there. Yeah. So I'm so glad I didn't know this was going to be my livelihood. Yeah. You know, I wanted to be a stay at home mom. I would have fought him on it. I would have mm-hmm. been like, no, I just quit my job. I'm going to have a baby. Like, I don't want this. And now I'm so grateful for it. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One step at a time. Oh, Amen. Now, there's something that you said that I really want to touch on a little bit. And this isn't even something that coming into this podcast, I would have known that I want to talk to you about. But mm-hmm. you you talked about in that beginning stages when you first connected with Nadia and you mm-hmm. were saying to your husband, this isn't working. I can't be friends with, with anyone of a different culture. It's too mm-hmm. hard. Oh, girl, how many mm-hmm. times in our lives have we? I mean, it's almost like the way you and I connected. It's like well, oh, we, we, we're too scared <laughs> to be. It's like why does the enemy do this to us where like we they he tells us in our brain this lie that we can't connect with with somebody or we are afraid to to step into a relationship with somebody who is maybe different from us or who comes Mm -hmm. from a different background um I would love for you to just kind of share some of your insights that you have gleaned so to speak I guess over the years from now developing some just very intimate and close relationships with people who are completely different from you how did you do that how did you walk and like what would your advice be to somebody and especially in like this day and age in this culture where we just we in a lot of ways we feel very divided even though we are Mm -hmm. not um but the media likes to try you know anyway I'm not going to get on my pedestal about the media trying to divide us um but really we feel very divided in a lot of ways and sometimes people feel scared to step out and make friends with somebody who might be different from them so I'd love for you to just kind of share your wisdom Yeah, gosh, I don't, I, yeah, I'll try. So I think it helps that we actually move to a neighborhood that has nobody who looks like me. So in a way I was forced to, um, for the first couple months of living here, I, I left Hamtramck every moment I was awake. Like I go to Target or to Starbucks or to one of the surrounding like suburbs just to be with people who are familiar, um, which 
caused a point of crisis. Like that was never going to be sustainable. (laughs) That was part of why I was like, we got to leave this place. I can't be here. And my husband, brave as he is, he opened the book of the book of Jonah and he basically made me read it with my name instead of Jonah's name. And like, long story short, like I was running from God's plan for our life. I was leaving the place that God had asked us to live every chance that I could. And so the first thing I did was I just stayed here. Like I just forced myself to shop at the grocery stores here instead of going out to Kroger, like the markets here, follow up with like, say hi to people on the street, like walk the streets here. And so I guess if you're looking to have and build relationships with people who are different than you, you have to find where they are. Um, Specifically like immigrants, I can give some advice on that. Like teaching English is a really huge need for um, people who have just arrived here to America or teaching GED classes. And a lot of churches or nonprofits are looking for English teachers and you don't have to have a teaching degree to do that. Um, But to start, it helped immensely that I had a reason to be at Nadia's house. Um, I had something bigger than just like, okay, now we need to talk about things, you know, like now we need to be friends and connect. Like we had the business and I was bringing, I had a purpose and a reason for being in her home, uh, which really took a lot of the pressure off, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So teaching English would be another one of those platforms um, that you have a reason to be connecting with this person who otherwise doesn't make sense really that you would be trying to be friends with them. Um, And then just going to their homes, um, sitting on their couches, asking them questions Um, It was really interesting. So we've lived in Hamtramck for almost nine years and around the 10 year anniversary of 9-11, there was all these protests. It was right when like the president was closing the border, like all these things were happening. And here I am like living in a neighborhood with these people that America is terrified of, to be honest. And Mm people were messaging me or I would get questions. We had news reporters coming into town asking us like, aren't you scared to be living here? Um, and we're like, no, <laughs> like these, you need, you don't, you haven't even sat in their living rooms. Like you don't know these people outside of what the media, like you were saying here, I am getting on the platform now. <laughs> but, no, it's true. Um, I decided those days, like those protests that we see of people like holding signs, either side of the, of the coin. What's more effective is like living a daily protest of being in the living rooms, like being, becoming friends with the people that are um, being, I don't know, discriminated against isn't the right word, but being targeted, I guess, or um, are scary quote unquote before you get to know them. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Does that make any sense? Oh, I think, it absolutely you know, does. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And so you guys, yeah, you still live there in Hamtramck? We do. And I will also say that it's still awkward and hard for me to have friendships and relationships with people um, that are not my culture. It's not like it changed immediately and now it's like all hunky-dory and it's easy. Yeah. There's a lot of barriers still. I think that's just the natural truth of it. Um, yeah. So they what cook different your kids? foods. They, you know, all, there's a lot of things that makes it hard to connect. Yeah. What about for your kids? What has it been like for your kids to grow up in such a incredibly diverse area? I have loved it for them. Um, they don't see anything different. You know, they, um, they pronounce their kids, their classmates, kids names 
better than I can. You know, they, they're the minority. Um, We're homeschooling my older two, but they went through up until first grade in the public school system. And my preschooler is in the public school system too. Um, And I just love that they see such different colors and languages and names and that that's normal to them. Yeah. I'll be interested if we, if we ever moved somewhere like back to the suburbs, if they would notice a difference or not. Yeah. Um, that's been one of the things that has been, um, really on my heart as next year, my daughter is entering kindergarten and I have been, you know, we live in an area where there's just, it's admittedly like there's a lot of, of debate around the public schools in the city mm-hmm. where I live. Um, and parents are super divided on it. And honestly, yeah. it really bothers me, um, because people will immediately just talk down about Durham public schools. And I'm like, have you gone and toured them? Have right. you gone and checked it out for yourself? And like, you know, there's a million charters and magnets and private schools and all those kinds of things. And like, I get it at the end of the day, like you want to make the decision that's best for you and your family. But at the same time, like I am excited about my daughter and, you know, then my son going through a school system where they are the minority. Like, and because, I mean, I grew up in a very diverse school system um, and Mm -hmm. I loved, I loved it. Um, All of my friends were different. I had friends who were, you know, Vietnamese and Latino and black and Asian. I mean, like I've been every race of friends. That's awesome. Um, And it was just a very diverse community. Um, And yeah, I mean, I had white friends too, obviously, but I mean, it's, you know, it's just, I I loved that. And so I want that for my kids too. I love that our church is, I mean, honestly, I think it's around 50, 50, like whites Mm -hmm. might, might be the minority, like 40% where like the rest is kind of a mix um, I don't know. I mean, it, but it's, it's a super diverse church. And so I love that on Sunday mornings, I pretty much other than obviously my husband looks, you know, is white, but, um, mm-hmm. like I'm not sitting next to somebody who looks like me for the most part. Yeah. Um, and I love that. And, you know, yes, it, it can be difficult to enter into relationships, intimate relationships with people who don't speak your language or who come from a different cultural background. But when you begin to just break down those barriers bit by bit and see people as humans mm-hmm. and see them as, you know, fellow fellow brothers and sisters, like it's it's beautiful what can happen. And, and you begin to break away those stereotypes and all of those things that we, you know, try people other people try to kind of ingrain in us um and and we're able to break those things away and it's just it's such a it's a powerful thing Mm -hmm. and I um think it it starts with one person like standing up and inviting the other person like the a perfect Mm -hmm. story I have of this happened the other day at church and this beautiful African-American woman was up there talking about her small group that she was starting And she said something, she said at the end, she's like, I will be really disappointed if my small group looks just like me. Mm. And I was like, I feel so welcomed into your small group right now. Like, whereas otherwise, I don't know that I would have. And that's so silly to say, but her open invitation to like, I will be so disappointed if my group looks like me. It was like, oh, I want to go give you a hug. Like, I want to be a part of your group. Yeah. Where, you know? Can we be friends? Just, so, but otherwise I would have just sat back and been like, I'm not welcome, you know, yeah. in that group probably. Yeah. I, I would, I wouldn't be, everyone would look at me if I walked in that room, you yeah. know? So. I think sometimes it just takes a matter of, um, 
I think so often we just we don't say things because we feel afraid or um, fear mm-hmm. just is the worst. Um, and, <laughs> but sometimes mm-hmm. like it just takes maybe humbling ourselves and saying like, hey, you know what? I I don't know how to do this um, or hey, yeah. you know what this 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 is this might be hard for me or hey, you know what? I really want to step out and I want to make you know, surround myself with people who are different from me. Um, Let's do this together. And if we just humble ourselves Mm -hmm. and say, hey, you know what? This is something I'm really working on. Um, Maybe we can walk alongside each other and do it Um, or just reach out. Mm -hmm. I I think that that humanizes us. It it, it gives us a sense of humility. um, And it, it, it creates a space where other people can then feel like they are welcome. And yeah, you feel and they can make mistakes. Yeah, and it'll be okay. And say, hey, we're learning. Mm-hmm. We're learning together. You know, I I am not. You know, I don't get this right all the time, but we're trying. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you obviously the business has grown a lot since you realized that you know what you what you were doing with Nadia and just and then beginning to provide jobs for other women in your community. Um, what does the business look like today? And what um, are you hoping it's going to look like in the next few years? Like, you know, obviously it's, n- it's not what you originally envisioned in so many right. good ways. And so like, what does it look like now? And what do you, where are you hoping it's going to go? So right now we have about 15 women working, including myself. So I have a core team, like an operations manager and a head seamstress and like a shipping, shipping department, quote unquote, (laughs) Um, uh, core like team members. And then we have about nine seamstresses, I'd say. Um, And it's honestly been like that for three years now. It has been staying the same and part um we had really amazing growth for seven straight years almost overwhelming and then the past three years I've been like god what what are you doing like is this um over is this just new normal um we haven't been able to hire anyone in the past three years outside of the ones you know that we've been able to sustain employment which I'm grateful for um so it's really taken me on this journey of like what can I dream like what what will the next few years look like it maybe won't be amazing growth and am I okay with that like is that is staying the same just as good can it be just as good in my heart and in my head and to say out loud as oh I hope we double our employees in three years you know like um the that has been a really eye-opening you can't grow every year (laughs) you know just an honest like an honest truth um, and that's doesn't mean you're not doing the work, that you're not doing what God has asked you to do. Growth is not the the equal I, the equality of success or doing God's will. Sometimes staying the staying in the same spot is what God is asking you to do. Sometimes l- losing sales might be what God is asking you to do. You know, so I really just want for these next few years to do what I've done the past 10 is just, okay, here's the next obvious thing that I need to do. Here's the next square in the sidewalk that God has illuminated for me. So I'm going to walk in that one and I'm going to steward that square really well and then wait until he reveals the next one. Um, 
So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I would love to hire more women, um, but I also don't want to get my hopes on that and feel like a failure if we don't. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, I think sometimes it is so hard, especially in business. Gosh, oh man, there's so many life metaphors that can be applied in business, but Mm -hmm. there's so many times in business where we just, we go on this, it's a roller coaster and then sometimes it flattens out for a little while and then it might even Mm -hmm. dip a little bit and we're like, oh God, Mm -hmm. what are you doing? Um, (laughs) You know, and, and for me, like, I mean, obviously I don't, I don't have a product based business, but I mean, I've, I started my blog in, in 2007, um, and I've been doing it full time since 2013, 2014. And, um, there have been years where I've felt like I was doing really well. And then like, even last year was one of my hardest years personally, but my most profitable year like in business mm-hmm. and I didn't create as much content as normal. And that yeah. is 100% like God's provision. And because he knew that we were going to go through a really tough time. And I don't take that for granted at all. For sure. But then yeah. here we are at the beginning of th- this year. And I've been like, okay, God, what's, <laughs> what's next for me? Um, And, and, and he's opening some doors that I feel really inadequate to walk through. Um, but then at the same time, like he's closing doors that I felt like I was supposed to walk through. So it's really, it is a bit of a, like it messes with your mind a little bit. It does. Yeah. And it really puts you in your place to know I am not in control of sales. Like God is in control of them. I can't work hard enough or like work long enough hours Mm -hmm. to make more people buy bags. Yep. I, I can do what I know to do, but it really comes down to trusting that God is in control of sales. Mm -hmm. And if sales are low, I mean, there's been moments in our business where sales have been low. And then one of our seamstresses kids is in the hospital that week. And we're like, that makes sense. Or the next week, you know, like it, that makes sense why sales were low last week because you won't be able to make those bags this week. Um, or other things where like sales are super high and then we get to invest in some new leather and you know, it's just, it's all, it's all orchestrated by God and we're just simply stewards of it. It is. (laughs) And that's not an easy position. I'd rather be in control. (laughs) Oh gosh, gosh. I mean, I giving up control is so difficult. (laughs) So difficult. Um, This is a question I meant to ask earlier and I, it's just occurred to me. Um, So when you were reaching out, like, did you literally just start going knocking on doors or how did you begin to connect with other women in the community who needed a job? I started with um, a friend of mine who taught English. So I asked her to ask her students if anyone knew how to sew. So far, all of our seamstresses have come to us with the base knowledge of at least they've used a sewing machine yeah. before. Yeah. And then we train them up to what American quality standards are because yeah. there's a bit of a discrepancy between what women in Bangladesh consider quality or consumers in Bangladesh and consumers in America. So yeah. we train them up to that. Um, but I just started with a friend who taught English. Um, she had four interested ladies and I only had a position open for, uh, two of them. And so I took all four to come for a tryout and I am a terrible boss and I hired them all because I uh, didn't know how to tell two no. So So they all still work here, which is really fun. And they just have shared the load of two seamstresses and they knew that coming in, which has worked well for their life uh, and their lifestyle. 
Um, Because all of our seamstresses know particular bags. So depending on how well those bags sold the week before is what kind of their load is for the next week. That makes sense. So, So yeah, just and then I went from kind of from there just networking or God has brought people to our doorway too. Um, wow. at the right moment when just at the moment we needed to hire someone. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is Nadia still with you? She is. That's yeah. Amazing. I know. That's amazing. Yep. So, and, and I would love to know, like, does she, did she sort of then become almost like, I don't want to say mom, but kind of like a leader among the other women? For sure. Yeah. yeah. They don't all get to interact frequently because they work from home. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do have, Uh, lunch like some quarterly lunches where we have everyone come in and bring something to eat so we can all connect with each other um and I think she probably does have just a little bit higher level of respect because everyone knows that she was the beginning (laughs) or um the start of it all that's so cool that's so cool uh, well, Rebecca, I mean, I just, like I said, I have, I'm such a big fan of you and I'm such a big fan of Better Life Bags. And some of my dearest friends here are just also the biggest fan of Better Life Bags. Um, my friend Kristen has gone through maybe two or three of the same style because she, lo- like, she, she loves. loves it so much. She wears that thing to death. Like, till I love it. it is on its last thread, literally. Um, she's like, I put these things through the ringer. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, I love it. Yeah. And so she, I just, you know, it's just, it's so encouraging, um, to just be able to finally really dive in and, and hear more of your story and everything that you're doing. Um, and I can't wait to see what God does. Cause clearly he's got a bigger plan for all of this. And, um, and I just can't wait to see what it is. Thanks. Yeah, me too. It was nice to confirm that we like each other. I know. I know. We're, <laughs> now we're actually friends. So now we are. <laughs> now we're like real friends. Um, okay, Rebecca, this is the portion of the show where we transition just a little bit before we go to ask some fun get to know you questions. And as my listeners know, this is the portion of the show where my um, amazing executive producer husband inserts some sound <laughs> effects or movie quotes, TV quotes, nice. something to transition us to the get to know you round. So, Rebecca, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. You can't wear a tank top two days in a row, and you can only wear your hair in a ponytail once a week. So I guess you pick today. Oh, and we only wear jeans or track pants on Fridays. Now, if you break any of these rules, you can't sit with us at lunch. Well, I mean, not just you, like any of us. Okay, like if I was wearing jeans today, I would be sitting over there with the art freaks. Uh, this is a would you rather question. Would you rather have to permanently give up salts or sweets? Salts. Ooh, salts. you're a sweets girl. Oh yeah. All the sweets. I don't, that's a really tough one for me. And, but I, I'd probably say sweets. I don't know. I you really, would. I really love cheese fries. I really love oh, chips and guac. Gosh, I didn't think about cheese fries. <laughs> I really love chips and guac. I really love cheese fries. Um, oh, yeah. Although I really do also like cake. So, uh, <laughs> um, I know. Okay. Another would you rather question. Uh, would you rather have a 10-hour car ride with someone you absolutely cannot stand or a 30-hour car ride with no stops with someone you absolutely love? The 30 hour. Yeah. I feel like that would be most people's answer, but maybe there are some people that they're like, well, if at least I could stop, you know? (laughs) Right. 
and have it be a third of the time. And maybe you would become friends with that person after 10 yeah. hours. Yeah, yeah, you never know. You never know. Yeah. Um, if you had a time machine, what time period would you visit and why? Ooh, goodness. Um, probably like the 1950s so I could get my milk delivered and yes! have a doctor come to my house. <laughs> Rebecca, that is what we call in the comedy industry a callback. That was an excellent callback. Thank I really, you. That was excellent. Yes. So we can have our milk delivered and have a, a, a door-to-door doctor with a black bag. That's, That's amazing. Right. Oh, my gosh. I love you. You're the best. Um, okay. What is not real, but you desperately wish it was real? You know, the first thing that came to mind was unicorns, but I don't know that that would make my life better if they were real. Um, Unicorns make everything better. But I also have a five and a half year old girl who wants yeah. unicorns. My eight year old girl. On yeah. all things. like, And I think back to my childhood, I was a unicorn for Halloween one year. So it's, you it's know. been a long, it's been a long go for unicorns. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. (laughs) It's been a long go for unicorns. (laughs) That's amazing. That's an amazing quote. I'm going to put that as the quote on the shareable Instagram graphic for this episode. It's it's been a long go for unicorns. You know what I'd love to see is like a like a t-shirt with like a really old, like a graphic of a really old <laughs> unicorn who's just maybe maybe smoking or like <laughs> sitting. With a cane. Yeah. yeah. Got a cane. His horn is drooping. Yeah. 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 It's like it's the glitter is all falling off. And it just says it's been a long go for unicorns. Oh my gosh. Anybody who doesn't listen to this episode will never get that. But no. I am all I am okay with it. That is amazing. Oh my gosh. Oh goodness. <laughs> okay. Oh, that was great. That's, that made me so happy. Thank you so much for that. Okay. Rebecca. Um what, Oh man. Okay. What cheesy song do you have totally memorized? Oh, the um 50 states. The 50 nifty, nifty United, United States. States from 13 original yes. colonies. That's hilarious. Comes in handy, though, because you, you know the whole, you know, all 50 states in alphabetical order. That's a talent to be proud of. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, that is so good. Uh, my husband and I have definitely sung that song together. And I'm not going to lie. That's- like, there's been times where uh, I have had to, like, mentally maybe something like maybe I'm filling something out or I don't know there was like a trivia question and in my head I'm going Alabama Alaska Arizona Arkansas and I'm like (laughs) it's you can't I mean you do it second nature Mm -hmm. I'm jealous you and your husband have that in common (laughs) it's romantic my husband doesn't know the song and he doesn't really want to learn it hey it's on YouTube tell him that he needs to go watch it yeah, mm-hmm. it's on YouTube. Just tell him to learn it. It's for his kids. You guys are. You said you're homeschooling the older ones. Marriage. It's for your marriage. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that is true. It can be something that really bonds you. You it's know, true. like it should should be. Incl- it should have been included in your wedding vows. Like <laughs> you will like, learn. Yeah. Nifty. In death and in, um, in sickness and in health, in the singing of fifty nifty United States till death do us part. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's amazing. 
Oh, okay. Okay. And then my last question that I ask all of my guests, and that is, Rebecca, what are you most grateful for today? Oh, this, it's warm. Let me see what temperature it is. It's 43 degrees. <laughs> yes. It's basically a, it's a balmy 44, it's 43. Balmy. I'm not wearing a coat. Yeah. You're not wearing a coat. You're basically about to bust out your flip flops. You're going to go sunbathe. It really does make a difference. Yeah. When, yeah. I mean, three weeks ago you were, it was my, like minus a million. So negative 17. Yeah. Mm-mm. This is a 50 degree difference. That is a hard pass for me. Hard (laughs) pass. I have a friend who lives in Chicago and we had talked and she, like the day that we had spoken, I guess it was the day before it was mine. She said the wind chill was minus 50. Yeah. And then Mm -hmm. by the following Monday, it was 55 (laughs) degrees. I was like, that is a hundred degree change. It's really bad for your health. I yes. Think. I was like, um, is does everyone have the flu? Like, is <laughs> is is everyone dying of the plague at this point? Because right. how does your body even adjust to that temperature difference that quickly? I don't even know. That is insane. Right. I, I know. Gosh, um, Rebecca, this has been one of my favorite conversations I've had out of 130 plus episodes. No this was way. so much fun. Seriously, <laughs> you are so much fun. Um, the fact that we could talk about everything from unicorns <laughs> having a really hard life uh, to um, to empowering women in your community. I mean, we've really run the gamut. Um, it's yeah, mm-hmm. it's amazing. It's amazing. Um, and we had church up in here too. So, we did. Um, you know. It's just been so good. So, Rebecca, thank you so much. This has been so much fun. Yeah, thanks for having me. I love Rebecca even more now than I did before, and I honestly did not even think that that was possible, but I absolutely loved having our conversation and just learning all about how Better Life Bags got started and where it's going and and how it's growing, and I just, I'm just such a huge fan of this brand, and I hope that you go and you check them out. I would love to know what you loved about this episode or maybe something that you learned, so let me know on social media. You can find me at stillbeingmolly or at business with purpose podcast on Instagram or Facebook. And don't forget to use that hashtag business with purpose podcast. Another big thank you to our sponsor, the root collective visit stillbeingmolly.com slash TRC and use that coupon code purpose 20 for 20% off your order. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you're a first time listener of the show, hello, be sure to visit the archives for past shows featuring incredible entrepreneurs and business owners who are changing the world with their businesses. And if you're a regular listener, Thank you so much for tuning in week in and week out. And thank you for your support. Be sure to head on over to iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Radio Public, or wherever you listen to podcasts and make sure you are subscribed to the show. Clicking that subscribe button helps to make sure that you never miss a new episode of the podcast. And while you're there, would you mind taking a moment to leave a review of the show? Leaving a review helps me to know what you're liking and how the show is personally impacting you. As always, this show is edited by my incredible husband and executive producer, John Stillman, with support from Mark Haywood. And the music is by Mark Killian of Third Wheel Media. Thank you so much for listening. Now go do something good with purpose on purpose.